Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. A lot of chatter, a lot of motion. Will there be forward movement as it relates to the debt ceiling in Washington, D.C. today? Of course, the Democrats are pointing fingers at the Republicans. Republicans are pointing them back at the Democrats. But whose debt is it anyway? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, there is a a lot of chatter and clamor going on from our nation's capital today. Just within the last hour, we know that uh, the minority leader in the United States Senate, Mitch McConnell, has offered up two proposals uh, to his colleagues behind closed doors, uh, the Republicans. Uh, one is uh, what we've been predicting all along, is that there would be a an extension of the debt ceiling until just before the holidays. Then we can deal with funding the government and the debt ceiling all at once. Uh, and then uh, the Democrats now, of course, have to convene their group and uh, have their caucus behind closed doors and talk about whether either of these paths, either with the uh, extending the debt ceiling by a few hundred billion or so until December, uh, or there's also a proposal from Senator McConnell that allows the Democrats to use reconciliation and kind of a fast track uh, path where they could still do it with all Democratic votes. We're keeping our eye on that. There was supposed to be a vote taking place uh, just in the next couple of minutes it is not certain whether that will take place uh, as both groups have, are kind of huddling right now, trying to figure out what the path forward is, what the options really look like. And, of course, what they're really calculating is the politics and the messaging of it all, uh, which we'll come back to a little bit later. But helping us break down whose debt is it anyway, uh, Philip Bump joins us now. He is a national political correspondent for The Washington Post. Philip, thanks for chiming in on a busy day today. Absolutely. So you've written in the the Washington Post that uh, you, you have found something that is truly bipartisan in America, and <laughs> <laughs> it's something we point to regularly, and it is the debt. Uh, for our listeners, just break that down. This is a bipartisan debt crisis for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you, if, if you think about it, so essentially people are undoubtedly aware the debt ceiling is basically the cap on how much debt the, the, the country can accrue. And so the current limit is somewhere around $20 trillion off the top of my head. But the upshot is that, that that debt has been accrued over the course of the past several decades. This is not something that is obviously 
uh, all on uh, President Biden's watch. It is also not something that is all on President Trump's watch. Uh, this is something that is longstanding. Uh, and actually, if you look at the past uh, five presidents, um, that is uh, the last three Democrats and the last two Republicans going back to early in Bill Clinton's tenure, uh, that accounts for about 90 percent of all the debt we currently have. And it's pretty evenly split between Democratic and Republican presidents. You know, obviously, this debt is also a function of spending that is approved by Congress. But over the course of those decades, we've also seen changes in the House. We've seen changes in the Senate. We've seen legislators vote for uh, budgets, which led to spending, which led to this debt. And so this is not something where it is on one party or the other. It really is that both parties over the course of several decades have made the debt where it is. Yeah. And I, and I- you raise such a, an important point, Philip, and that is just the amount, even if you just took the last two administrations in terms of what they accrued in terms of debt, and it is the, it's nearly half, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a ton of spending, you know, and there are two triggers for it, certainly. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of political debate that can that can occur uh, related to it. Uh, but there were two triggers that really motivated that spending. There was uh, obviously the economic crash that occurred in 2007-2008, uh, which spurred a bunch of spending at the very tail end of George W. Bush's administration and then into Barack Obama's. Obama then continued uh, to have heavy spending, unusually heavy spending, relative to prior presidents and, and uh, you know, deficit spending. And then, of course, when President Trump came in, uh, there wasn't really much of a slowdown in the deficit spending, and then it really spiked again during uh, the pandemic when there's a huge investment uh, trying to ameliorate the effects of the pandemic. So, yes, you're, you're absolutely right that, that much of what we've seen has been a function of uh, spending over the course of the past uh, you know, 12, 15 years. Yeah, and I think that's uh, so vital because, again, both sides like to point fingers and place blame. Uh, but this is not a shoulder shrugging moment. This is money that has been spent. Uh, it is there. Uh, we, you know, we are seeing all of the the drama of it all. Uh, several of the cable shows, you know, have countdown clocks going. You know, eleven right. days, eight hours, forty nine minutes, uh, and we know that's not exactly how that works anyway. Uh, but it seems to me that we're we're getting to the phase now where it, it is becoming just such a political talking point. So we know just in the last week there has been massive amounts of spending. Uh, by political campaigns and political action committees on both sides of this, blaming the Democrats for it, blaming the Republicans for it. Uh, and and have we turned something that is actually an important thing to make sure we do, uh, which is to not default? Uh, but have we made it just such a political issue that we can't even have the real conversation uh, about how we spend, what we spend, and most importantly, what the outcomes are of what we spend? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, we're so focused on this one issue, and it's really been over the past decade or so that this has become such a political issue. And it was really spurred, you know, during Barack Obama's administration, there was a, a sudden realization by his Republican opponents that they could use this as a point of leverage to try and get the administration to do things, uh, you know, using the debt ceiling uh, as leverage in doing so. Uh, you know, so this is a relatively new phenomenon that this has become so political. Uh, you know, but the, the, the debt ceiling over the course of the past several decades has not actually been a real ceiling. It's basically just been sort of a, a waypoint, right? So as spending goes up, eventually you get to the ceiling, and it's like, okay, well, we've got to raise the ceiling. So you raise the ceiling. It is not that the ceiling is limiting spending. It's that the spending is dictating the ceiling. And so to your point, if the real question here is how much spending we're doing, how much deficit spending, then have that conversation. The debt ceiling, using that as a point of political leverage, obviously doesn't actually accomplish any sort of conversation along those lines. Yeah, and so as you look at where we are, and uh, let's I'm going to I'm going to place the bet that we are going to go with this short term increase to the debt ceiling just so we can have 
We can use all of our cliff, catastrophe, colossal mess, whatever, uh, just in time for the holidays. Uh, do you see anything else happening or any other paths uh, forward out of this? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, asking someone to try and put their baton is going to do that's, that's a tough call. You know, I mean, it, it's obvious that there has been already this has been successful politically for Republicans, right? They have slowed down the Democrats' agenda. They have they have mucked up the effort by Democrats to try and pass, you know, uh, Biden's signature legislation. You know, it, I don't know that it's going to cost them anything politically. This isn't the sort of thing that people right. pay a lot of attention to, and they tend to just be like, ah, Congress is all a mess. They're a bunch of clowns. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I think that's why you do it. I don't think Mitch McConnell wants to default. I don't think we're going to default. Um, but, you know, I think they've already reaped the rewards. Are gonna reap. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight, as always. Uh, appreciate uh, Philip Bump joining us from The Washington Post. He's national political correspondent there for The Washington Post. Uh, Philip, thanks for your insight today. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. So we continue to roll. And again, I, I think what we will see in the coming hours, uh, I don't think we're actually going to see a vote. I think the Democrats are huddling now. Uh, from what I'm hearing, they're considering the two proposals that Mitch McConnell has offered uh, and must have some kind of approval from the Republicans uh, that if uh, Chuck Schumer accepted one of those two proposals, they would be OK with that moving forward or at least have the votes to move that forward. And so the uh, vote that we were anticipating coming up here in the next few minutes uh, has been pushed back, and it may never happen if we get to an agreement. Uh, And we'll continue to watch that. The more important thing for me is whether we have this vote or not, and I'm looking at the chamber of the United States Senate right now, and nobody is on it. So everyone has gone to their behind-closed-door meetings, and so we'll continue to monitor that. But the more important thing is what are we spending Why are we spending it? How are we going to pay for it? And are we really going to dump all of this, not just on our children and grandchildren, but on people whose parents haven't even met yet? This is taxation without representation. We're going to put all of this on people who haven't even been born yet. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.